when I met with the COO, I asked her, how do you measure success in your organization? And she said, double digit growth year over year. Just in that answer, double digit growth year over year, that is a key indication that they want to stand out, they want to advance, they want to get ahead. They're not focused on contributing, adding value, and lifting others. And so what I'm now doing with this executive team is I'm helping them to see this and to understand that they need to craft a purpose for the organization that is about contributing, adding value, and lifting others. And what was interesting, because we're just starting this process, and I met with them just a couple of days ago, one of the things that they said to me was interesting. They said, I'm not sure we as an organization have a soul. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, this show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything is possible mentality. And that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. Welcome to another inspiring episode of the Hero of the Hour podcast. Today, we have a truly exceptional guest, Dr. Ryan Gottfriedson, a renowned mindset author, researcher, and consultant who is on a mission to help organizations and their leaders reach new heights through a transformative focus on mindsets. Ryan shares his unique perspective on what it truly means to be a hero or a leader. He believes that real heroes are those who selflessly prioritize creating value for others over their own safety, comfort, or personal gain. It's a powerful concept that we'll delve into further. We'll explore the vital role of elevating an organization by enhancing the cognitive and emotional sophistication of its leadership. By ensuring that executive teams operate on a higher level, this approach can lead to transformative turnarounds and healthy business growth, as Ryan explains. And don't miss out on Ryan's profound insights about how leadership isn't just about doing the right things, it's about becoming the kind of person others are eager to follow. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode and get ready to be inspired. Hi, I'm Mark B. Murphy. I'm CEO and founder of Northeast Private Client Group and the author of three books, including my latest book, The Ultimate Investment. But I'm also here with another fellow author. Ryan, I want to show your book. In fact, it's an amazing book, The Elevated Leader. And uh, I just you know, would love to, to kind of start with, I just want to read just a little blurb that I had about, you know, it says, Ryan is a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author of Success Mindsets. Success Mindsets is the most comprehensive, helpful, and research-based source of mindset knowledge to date. Only 2.5% of people are in the top quartile for the four sets of mindset that he focuses on. 
And so I'd love to just start by saying, you know, before I get into your book, I just want to start by saying, you know, we call this uh, podcast the hero of the hour because everybody on this podcast is either a hero to me or a hero to other people. And I just want to talk about, you know, who are some of your heroes or what does a hero mean to you? Yeah, I mean, well, first, what a what a great and big question. Here's here's one of the things that I feel like I've learned through my research is that there are a small group of people that operate at a level that's above everybody else. They operate very uniquely, and they are people who are wired to do one thing, and that is to create value in the lives of others. And so in contrast to this, most people, they are wired for their own safety, comfort, and belonging. Most leaders are wired to stand out, advance, and get ahead. But the truly great people, and to me, the heroes in my eyes, they're not people who want their own safety or comfort, and they're not the people who want success. They don't want the outcomes, the accolades. They don't want to stand out. They don't necessarily care to win. The the greatest people, they want to create value for others. And so when we look at great figures throughout history, and some of the ones that come to mind are people like Nelson Mandela, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. These are people who, how they operated was they weren't focused on themselves. They were focused on creating value for others. And where I operate in kind of the leadership development space, my mind also goes to business leaders who seem to operate in this way in a unique or operate in this way uniquely. And a couple of my heroes in this space are people like Satya Nadella and Microsoft. Okay. Who's really, who's transformed Microsoft. Another one, and I've been fortunate to get to know him personally, is Alan Mulally, uh, the former CEO of Ford. These are people who have made had transformational impact on their organizations. And the reason why is because they are so focused on creating value for their employees, as well as for the stakeholders that they're serving. And so if I, to me, a hero is somebody who is willing to get outside of themselves to create value for others. But by the way, you know, I, I ask everybody that question, and um, I've heard some really good answers, but I think that might be the best answer I've heard. <laughs> I think that that rings uh, so incredibly, incredibly true, true to me. Is there anybody who, you know, that's, I, just, I just think that's that's great. You know, one of the things I'd love you to tell our audience, because as I was reading through your book, tell us a little bit about vertical development and elevated mindsets. I don't think most people, unless they've read your book, would even get venture to guess what an, what a vertical development or elevated mindset is. Yeah, I appreciate you asking because the term vertical development is a fairly new term. So most people have never heard of it. The term, it was officially coined about 10 years ago. But the research behind vertical development dates back over 50 years, coming from the field of developmental psychology. So what we've learned is that there's two different forms of development. One form of development, and this is the form of development that we're used to, is called horizontal development. This is adding new knowledge and skills. And this is what all of our education, high school, undergraduate, grad school, these are all focused on improving your knowledge and improving your skills. It's a lot like downloading an app onto an iPad. 
right? It's great when we have a new app onto the iPad because now the iPad could now do more than what it could do previously. But one of the questions we've got to ask ourselves is, if we add an app onto an iPad, does that improve how effectively that iPad operates as a whole? And it usually doesn't, hmm. right? If we want to improve how the iPad operates as a whole, what we've got to do is we've got to upgrade its operating system. And that's what vertical development is all about for us. It's all about how do we upgrade our own internal operating system so that we could better navigate change, pressure, complexity, and uncertainty. That's what my book, new book, The Elevated Leader is all about, is introducing this concept of vertical development. It's always good to focus on horizontal development, but we focus too much, in my opinion, on that and not enough on vertical development. And what does that mean and, and how do we do it? And so when I talked about how people are wired differently, what we've actually learned is that there's three levels of vertical development. The first level is what I said, when people are wired for their safety, comfort, and belonging. They want to stand in. They don't, they don't want to take charge. They just kind of want to do what they're told, provided they're safe, comfortable, and belong. The second level are people who want to stand out, advance, and get ahead. Oftentimes, these are people that are in leadership positions. And then the third level, and this is, is where they're wired for contributing, adding value, and lifting others. And let me, uh, I'll close this off, but let me give you some percentages around this, Mark, that you'll find interesting. Across all adults, what vertical development researchers have found is 64% of all adults operate at that base level where they're, yeah. they're focused on their safety, comfort, and belonging. 35% operate at the second level, focused on standing out, advancing, and getting ahead. Only 1% operate at that top level where they're focused on contributing, adding value, and lifting others. And that's why I think the people that we generally see as heroes, they're the people who operate up at that third level. Tell me a little bit about so, how self-awareness relates to your know, vertical development, you know, a vertical altitude and our ability to have a positive effect on the world around us. T tell me a little bit about that because I've I was, you know, I've read some of the stuff you've, you've written and I, I thought that was flat out fascinating. Yeah, what I've learned is that the deeper we go inward, the higher we could go in terms of our vertical altitude. Let me give you an example of this. I'm working with a, I, this is one, I've heard this multiple times. I've been working with the CEO and I asked him in a, our first coaching call, why did you start your business? Uh, he's the founder of the business. And he said, to prove others wrong. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's an interesting response. And to me, it's, oh, this seems very obvious. You're operating at that second level is because you're starting this business because you want to stand out, advance, and get ahead, or in other words, prove some prove others wrong. And, and one of the things that I've learned about this CEO is, is his executive team is really frustrated because he has a tendency to be a micromanager. And, and as we dove into this a little bit, he said something, and again, I've heard multiple CEOs tell me this. He said, I try not to let anyone know this, but deep down, I'm a very insecure person. And, and it's his insecurities that cause him to want to step in and micromanage. 
because he doesn't want any problems to occur. He doesn't want anything to go wrong because if problems occur, something goes wrong, that's an indication he's not proving others wrong. And so at the end of the day, this CEO, we could give him all of the knowledge and skill training in the world, but until he addresses those underlying insecurities, he's going to have a really hard time elevating as a leader. And so that that's what vertical development is all about. And it re- it naturally requires us to dive into our insecurities. Where do they come from? Why do they exist? And what can we then do about them so that ultimately we can heal ourselves? And how much how much fluidity from the second to third or the first to second or the second to third? I mean, you can you can you turn people into the one percenters? Uh, yes. And, and another way to think about this, because when you lay out these levels, is naturally you're kind of getting yourself to ask a really powerful question. And it's a question most people don't even ask themselves. That question is, what is my vertical altitude? Kind of one, two, or three, right? And and that's a really good question, but I'm going to give you a, a question that I think is more nuanced and maybe even better because of that. And that question is, what is my center of gravity? In other words, I think that all of us spend time in each of those levels. And so the real question is, what percentage of my time am I spending in each level? And which level do I spend the majority of my time? What is my center of gravity? Because when we understand that, then how we move forward is, how do we spend a greater percentage of our time in that highest level, where we are focused on contributing, adding value, and lifting others? as opposed to either us standing in or us standing out. I can see then how having a deeper consciousness and really thinking about these things. I think sometimes when you run a company or you're a senior executive at a company, you spend so much time just dealing with tasks or you're in strategic meetings about tasks that you spend very little time really in self-thought and self-reflection, you're more, you try to be pro, you're proactive in your business, but reactive in your thinking. Mm. You've written a second book. Obviously the first book was very successful. And they have the new book coming out. Why did you write books? What, what, you know, do you think, why, why, why did you write these books? What, what do these books mean to you? What, you know, that's a, it's, it's pretty profound stuff. Well, uh, so I, and we, we share this connection uh, for those who are listening is I, I did my PhD at Indiana university, which you are very connected with there, Mark. Yes. My happy place, Bloomington. Yeah. So I love my time there. And I did my PhD in organizational behavior and human resources. And my dissertation was on leadership. And that allowed me to review the last 70 years of leadership research. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from that was their leadership researchers are primarily asking and trying to answer one question. And that question is, what do leaders need to do to be effective? And that's a good question, and it's led to a lot of really good answers. But to me, that question is short-sighted because I don't think leadership is about just doing the right things. I actually think it's about being, being somebody that others want to follow. And so when when I, I'm now a professor at Cal State Fullerton, so as I went from Indiana University to Cal State Fullerton, I decided I wanted to dive into how do we tap into the being element of leadership? And everything led me to mindsets, the mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world around us. And so 
as I started to, as I put together a mindset framework to help people awaken to their mindsets, um, I started to go around to organizations and I would say, hey, I can help your leaders upgrade their mindsets. And 80% of people I would talk to, they're like, eh, that's nice. We'll see you later. And then there's 20% of companies that would kind of say, um, oh, we we already focus on mindsets. We love mindsets. Can we use your assessment in the work that we do? And I said, yeah, of course, let's do it. And then I would start working with them. So I did this for several years, focusing on mindsets. And then I stumbled across the term that we've already brought up, which is vertical development. And what I what hit me was, oh my goodness, when I help people improve their mindsets, what I'm actually doing is helping them to vertically develop. I'm helping them to upgrade their internal operating system. And so now I, I now flipped how I kind of talk about myself and, and how I can help organizations as I say, now I don't say I can help you with your mindset. Now I say I can help you vertically develop your leaders. And then their first natural question is, huh, what's that? And I was like, well, let me tell you. And then I kind of walk them through just as I did with you, the difference between horizontal and vertical development and how what we need now more than ever before is vertical development. Because here's what I'm seeing with the executives that I work with is the complexity of their environment has gone up a lot over the last few years. And it has gone up to a degree that it, for most executives, it exceeds that executive's vertical altitude. And when the complexity of our environment exceeds our vertical altitude, what we start to experience is we start to feel stressed out. We start to feel anxious. We don't sleep as well at night, right? And, and so what we're now seeing, the statistics reveal 72% of executives have had a significant mental issue over the last year. And that a significant mental issue means a, a nervous breakdown, a depression, or sleep disorder. 72% of executives have had at least one of those three things in the last year. And it's just a signal that they are operating in a situation where their complexity of that situation exceeds their vertical altitude. And so the only way we address that is, I don't think the complexity of our world is going to come down. No. We've got to get leaders to vertically develop so that they can rise to the level that they can navigate that complexity in a more effective way. What would the percentage, would that be higher or lower for the people that report to those leaders? Uh, that's a good question. The statistics are, is that all people today are struggling more with mental health than ever before. Um, but there is statistics that are saying that the increase in depression over the last several years has been greater for business leaders than for non-business leaders. So in other words, let me phrase it differently. Before the pandemic, there was a lot more non-leaders that struggled with depression than business leaders. Now coming out of the pandemic, it's about the same percentage. The same, nor you know, non-business leaders, I think the statistic is 20% struggle with depression of non-leaders and 20% of leaders struggle with depression. So does your company, it's a top-down company, it works with the CEO first or only, or does it work with teams? It's it's all of the above. So 
I mean, I think the ideal situation is is it's best if we can go from the top down. But the reality is, and I'll, I'll give you another example. There's there's an organization I've been working with and they brought me in to work with the executive team. So I said, oh, I would love to just have a phone conversation with the CEO. They're like, okay, well, we set that up. And, and I met with the CEO and I said, Every, all of your executive team has taken my assessments. I have some self-assessments for them to take. Everyone's <laughs> taken them, but you, are you going to be taking those? And he said, no, because I'm not going to be involved in the workshop that you're doing. And I'm thinking, oh, well, why not? And he says, because I don't need development. My team needs development. Like he literally said that to me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I, and I end up going on and working with the executive team and the CEO was not involved. And guess what I heard the whole time I was working with the executive team? We can't do the things you're telling us to because our CEO is holding us back. Have you noticed that life is getting more and more expensive? From grocery prices to real estate values, everywhere you turn, prices seem to be skyrocketing. Well, Mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth, and in most cases, multi-generational wealth. The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy. But the difference will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision. And so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. It's funny. It's almost like when you go to marriage counseling, you, you, you go there initially to try to change the other person, but you realize if you're successful with it, that the only person you could change is yourself and the other person will have to do their own work. And there's nothing worse to me than, you know, I've, I've had this discussion, maybe not in the, you know, I'm not a PhD, so I may not put it in the exact same words that you do or have that kind of research background, but you sit down with people and they, they that's what they say. It goes, my business would be great, except my team. You got to fix my team. And I keep saying to him, we got to fix you first, buddy, before we fix your team. You know, if you're going to stay as the CEO, you know, and I'm, I'm okay if you're an entrepreneur, because I, I used to have a saying where I would say, I want people to go from a business owner to an entrepreneur or the great artist to the great business owner, or get paid for what you do, what you know, rather than what you do. Yeah. But, 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 you know, but, and I'm okay if entrepreneurs aren't CEOs, they hire CEOs, but if you're, if you're going to go lead an organization and you don't think that that everything starts with your mindset, your behavior, emotional fitness, you're like batshit crazy. You know, that does it's not going to change. And it just and you can hire a consultant and advisor after after one after the other. And they're it's not gonna it's not gonna change. So I, I think you're clearly on to something here. If somebody wanted to sort of interact with your company to see if if your company's right. You have any stories like anything would would collect with people of a uh, maybe you can share a name or you can't share a name, but you know sort of what the process looks like and what's what sort of, what sort of the process looked like and then what sort of the outcome could be. 
Yeah, for sure. So um, the the best place to go would be ryangottfordson.com. And and there may be a couple of ways to dive into these ideas is I do have two assessments there. One is a vertical development assessment. Another one is a personal mindset assessment. So those are just the ways that hopefully are there to help people deepen their own self-awareness. Um, but let me even just summarize what I feel like I just heard you say, but I'm going to put it in different words. I feel like I just heard you say that an organization, and this is what I believe, an organization cannot rise above the vertical altitude of that organization's executive team. I was not as eloquent as you, but that is New York direct and succinct. And yeah, I've never seen an organization with a subpar CEO where the organization blew past the CEO. I can't think of one. I, I go. I mean, we represent about 4,000 companies. Uh, across the United States. And I'm trying to think, I was just kind of, as you were talking, I kept going through my mind and thinking, where is there a place where the CEO is mediocre, but the the team is so outstanding, they they overcome the CEO's foibles. I mean, maybe you can compensate a little, but long-term it doesn't get to the to where the company needs to go. Yeah. And, and so then if we understand that, then the next thing we need to understand is if we want to elevate the organization, we have got to elevate the vertical altitude or cognitive and emotional sophistication of that executive team. And whenever we see any great transformational turnarounds in organizations, such as Microsoft, Ford, Disney Animation under Ed Catmull, Indra, uh, PepsiCo under Indra Nui, like these are these are some examples of transformations in organizations because they brought in or hired or promoted a CEO that was more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated that operated at a higher level. So those are some examples, but one, one organization that I've worked with in particular, um, they work in the health documentation space. Okay. They literally touch a billion customers every year right? And they're in a position to transform the medical landscape. I mean, we've all been to a doctor's office and filled out forms and forms are passed from one doctor to another, right? They're navigating that entire process for organ for hospitals and, and healthcare systems. And what was interesting to me is as I, what I did with this group is I, I worked with them individually to help them vertically develop. I'm now currently working with them uh, as a team collectively. And let me give you a sense of the shift that they've made here. When I met with the COO, I asked her, how do you measure success in your organization? And she said, double digit growth year over year. And I was like, that's a good answer. But also inside of me, I'm like, no, right? Why are you measuring success by an outcome when you're an organization that could change the medical field and the medical landscape because you're touching a billion customers everywhere? You should be defining success by the impact that you're having, not on your own success, right? Just in that answer, double-digit growth year over year, that is a key indication that they are operating at that second level. They want to stand out. They want to advance. They want to get ahead. They're not focused on contributing, adding value, and lifting others. And so what I'm now doing with this executive team is I'm helping them to see this and to understand that they need to craft a purpose for the organization that is about contributing, adding value, and lifting others. 
And what was interesting, because we're just starting this process, and I met with them just a couple of days ago. One of the things that they said to me was interesting. They said, I'm not sure we as an organization have a soul. Wow. Oh, And I thought that was really interesting. And what we came up with was it is necessary in order for an organization to possess a soul, it has got, and a soul that we would like, it has got to have a clear, inspirational, and stakeholder-centric purpose. And that when there isn't a clear, inspirational, and stakeholder-centric purpose, the organization will end up losing its soul. And I thought that was... That was a pretty profound takeaway for me. This makes just so much sense. I, I think, you know, it's so funny when you, when you start, like, isn't it amazing when you started your journey, the first thing sounded like consultant mumbo jumbo PhD speak. And you can understand why people would say bigger than a bread box. Don't quite get it. Good luck to you. And, you know, I'll get back to you, going back to you. When you explain it in these terms, I don't think anybody could deny that there's room to grow even in the very best organization, much less you know, it, much less we know mathematically, uh, 50% of org- organizations are below average. So, you know, anywhere, you know, I, I, so I, I think it, it's only universal from zero to 100 in terms of those people. And I think that this is pretty high level, interesting things. What's the next part for you? You've got this book coming out. I'm sure it'll be very successful. I'm sure there's a lot of companies and leaders you're hoping to grow vertically. Well, if if, we're, if you and I are talking three years from now, what's going to happen? What 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 is what does Godfordson world look like? The beauty of doing this vertical development work is that it helps people, teams, and organizations collectively to awaken, and that's that's really the first step in the vertical development process. We really can't vertically develop until we have an awakening. We we awake up to where we are at, and then we make efforts to elevate. And and so for me. Three years from now is if we can enhance the the number of people, teams, and organizations that are awakening and vertically developing, in my mind, we're changing the world. I mean, we, when you look at the really vertically developed people, the people like Nelson Mandela, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., even, even in their own world at Ford with Alan Mulally, these are world changers for the people that they serve. And if we can create more world changers, then the world's going to be a better place. I want to tell you this. I, I'm, uh, you know, if I was going to, I know you have two books. If I only had time, and I already had one, because I had I have the Elevated Leader right here, but I, I, I've not read your first book. But if I, if I was watching this for the first time and I said, I only have time uh, over the Christmas vacation or the summer vacation or the spring break to read one of your books, which one would, which, which one do I start with? I would start with the elevated leader. In fact, quite honestly, I wish I had written that first. I wish I had the knowledge to write that first because the elevated leader introduces the concept of vertical development. It gives us the why and then the what, what do we do? So the why is I want to become an elevated version of myself. I want to be a hero or the type of person that can be a hero and vertical development is how we do that. So that's what the elevated leader provides. Uh, so it provides the why and the what. The success mindsets is provides one really good answer for how we go about vertically developing. Um, so I feel like success mindsets, actually there's more meaning to that book after we've read the elevated leader, although it's, you know, it's it's helpful on its own. And that's clearly the case given 
it became a Wall Street Journal bestseller and people, you know, liked it enough to keep buying it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I, you know, you because I have the third book coming out and I always think that it gets better like because you're th- it's more it's your most current thinking of where you are. And so, you know, even like with the first book I wrote with uh, Bernie Stoltz on mergers and acquisitions, it's like we are six years in our our thought just on that one topic is elevated to you know six iterations of where it was you know six years ago it all it all, I almost I almost think like we need to do an updated version of that because I've just thought so much more about the subject and I have so much more to add than I did six years ago. Oh yeah. Uh, on that piece, I'm hoping you know first of all I want to thank you for taking the time to see us today. I'm hoping if not this season certainly next season I can uh, coerce you into joining me at Assembly Hall for a Indiana basketball game. Yeah. And we'll pick you look at the schedule and pick a like an amazing game where. Uh, where the where the students might storm the court, uh, or 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 we have a chance to really make a difference, and uh, I hope you'll come as my guest. Let's do it. But uh, but I I, I want to thank you, and I, I will. All I can tell you is that this book was amazing. I am going to go get your first book uh, before I go home tonight. I just uh, hope our relationship can continue to grow, not only as fellow Hoosiers, but also as you know people who, you know, you know when I started my company, I thought we'd make money. I thought we'd be successful. But this was always my vehicle to make other people's lives better. Mm, and yeah. and clearly, I'm talking to somebody who every day wakes up to make other people's lives better. So uh, again, you're a brother from another mother. And <laughs> I just want to thank you for the time. And I just really appreciate uh, you taking some time to talk with us today. Yeah. Thank you for creating the space. And, and thank you for being somebody who's focused on contributing and lifting the lives of others. So it's uh, proud to be uh, your brother in the journey. That's good. And I, I'm telling you, this technology is going to make the world a better place to be, and it's going to help an awful lot of people, you know, create abundance and create the the lives they want and create bigger, better futures. And I'm looking forward to reading the first book too. Awesome. And uh, Ryan, thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon. Yep. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Ryan. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, it's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian, and opinions stated are their own. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048. Arkansas Insurance License Number 741545. Expiration and submission numbers located in the show notes.